Hey, what's going on? Welcome to Angular Air. I'm your host, Justin Schwarzenberger. And on today's episode, we are going to be learning what's new with NativeScript. Should be pretty cool. So let's get into it. First of all, let's say hi to our panelists. We've got Alyssa Nichol joining us. Alyssa, how's it going? Hey, everybody. Glad to be here. And we've got Bonnie Brennan with us. Bonnie, what's going on? It's good, but I'm not Bonnie today. Today, I'm playing the part of Mike Brocky. <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> That'll teach you not to show up, Rocky. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Is that was that your imitation of Mike's laugh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I should have learned that before the show. So yeah, I don't remember. I'm just basically gonna heckle TJ and make oh, so, uh, I'm gonna get fired. Yeah, it's I'm just right. gonna heckle our guest and panelists and just heckle you, everybody. You can't heckle me until I've been introduced. That's the I know. Flow. I'm so gotta... bad. I'm gonna get fired. Seriously, I'm, I'm horrible. I don't know how Justin puts up with me. It's all right. It's 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 the character that you bring. It's perfect. <laughs> it's perfect. All right. Well, speaking of our guests, we've got uh, TJ Vantol with us. TJ, how's it going? Good. Thanks for having me here. Yes. Thanks for being here. Why don't you uh, fill our viewers in a little bit about yourself, what you got going on, that sort of thing, in case they don't know you? So I am TJ. I am a developer advocate. I work at a company called Progress. I worked with, with Alyssa there. And I work on a project called NativeScript, which I think we're going to be chatting about a little bit today. Yes. Definitely. I have a question right off the bat before you even dive into any code. What can you really tell us about Jen Looper? What can you uh, <laughs> Jen Looper? So, I'm telling you, there's people from Boston. You really can't trust them. <laughs> she's going to kill you. <laughs> no, she's not a huge fan of Boston. Uh, she's got a love-hate relationship with Boston, but... I love Jen. Jen She's is pretty awesome. And for people that don't know Jen, if you if you ever get a chance to see Jen at a, a conference, see her give a talk, it's well worth attending. She's cool people. She's not one of those like, you know, center of attention. She's kind of like low key, but if you like go up to her and talk to her, she's so awesome and she's a hoot. Y'all yeah. were the first time I saw you guys on stage, you guys cracked me up. It was I think it was the year you guys were wearing like aprons. Mhm. Mm Y'all were too funny. Jen, Jen does oh, a lot miss, of like. I uh, miss yeah. the aprons. I missed that. What was it? Uh, Jen, that's Jen's thing. Jen does the like IoT uh, with like beacons, and so I do a lot of the like boring native script stuff, and Jen gets to do all the cool stuff. Not that I'm bitter or anything. <laughs> so she'll use she'll use native script to you know work with beacons and machine learning and all these buzzwords you hear about, and <laughs> yeah, I'm making master detail apps and such back here behind the scenes. So. I You're think, important. Your contribution is very important. I don't think that's boring. Yes. The, the world is run on master detail views. So they, hey. Boom. There you go. <laughs> I wonder if we could dial her in. I, I don't know if that's a thing, you know, like back in the day, phone her up and get her going, you know, I don't know. Well, I'm going to tweet it. Actually, Alyssa, you're the, you're, you're our, our resident tweeter. You should tweet that we're talking about her right now on Angular Air. Okay. <laughs> Rename the episode title. It's no longer about NativeScript. This is just it's a roast of Jen Looper. Yeah. <laughs> TJ, tell us about Jen. <laughs> all right. She's going to kill us all. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. She's got to find us first. <laughs> uh, background, right, right. I don't know. She'll find us. So, okay. So, NativeScript. Why don't I, what is NativeScript for people who might not be familiar with that? So if you haven't heard of NativeScript, the simplest uh, explanation I can give is NativeScript is a tool that lets you build iOS and Android apps using JavaScript. So the magic of NativeScript, normally you would build iOS apps using Xcode with Objective-C or Swift. 
you build Android apps in Android Studio using Java or Kotlin, those technologies. With NativeScript, what we're doing is embedding basically the ability to use JavaScript to drive completely native iOS or Android apps. Um, so that's really our magic. And where Angular comes into the story is that early on with NativeScript, we just supported using raw JavaScript to do all these things. And we got a lot of demand from the Angular community in particular to said, well, you know, we had these built-in, these NativeScript-specific ways of doing things like data binding and event binding and routing. And hey, you know, why don't we as a project support an established framework that already does these things quite well? So back in the day, you know, in technology time, three years is a three years is a very long time ago, but we started talking with the Angular team about actually integrating with their framework. And at the time, Angular 2 was not yet out. And so some of the work they did to uh, decouple the Angular framework from the DOM directly benefited us because in NativeScript, there is no HTML, there is no DOM. We're running in a completely native context. So we need Angular to be a framework that doesn't depend on any of those APIs. So Angular did a lot of work to decouple their framework from the DOM. And as such, we were able to leverage it. And at ng-conf, I think two, it's now a little over two years ago, we announced our initial support for Angular. And uh, we've been making deeper ties, working with the Angular community more and more since to help the Angular developers out there build iOS and Android apps. And we love you guys. I know the Angular community can be rather demanding. So I was saying uh, right before we started the show, when I first, and I think it was around that time, because I remember you and Jen on stage, and, and, and you stuck in my head, and that was probably my first introduction to Ang uh, NativeScript. And I was thinking, now I got to learn another thing, because I'm trying to learn TypeScript and JavaScript, and there's all this Angular. And you know, it's, it's, there was so much floating around in my brain, and I was like frustrated, because I want to do mobile apps. But then there's this native script, and I felt like that's another thing that I have to learn, right? And I was super intimidated, and I kind of was burnt out on learning all the new stuff. But actually, once I got in and I set up my native script app the very first time, like once I had it set up and I started writing and customizing, it's so close to what I was already doing with Angular. Like the syntax is so, like there wasn't really any learning curve. Like as soon as I got it all set up and started writing my code, it looked the same as what I was used to. So it was really... So if you're if you're an Angular person who doesn't know native script and you feel like one of these days you're gonna get around to learning it, today's the day. <laughs> it's just it's just easy. Like once you get started, right? It's it looks the same. It's okay. You don't have to learn another thing. So the yeah, well, first of all, thank you. And that's really good to hear. And I think what I what I tell people, especially Angular people that are coming that are trying out native script. Where the learning curve is, is the things you already know about Angular, all that stuff basically still applies. So the way you do routing, the way you organize your apps, build components, build modules, all of those things are 99% to 100% identical in NativeScript. The only real learning curve comes in in actually the markup, the things you actually use to build your you know, the actual building blocks of your UI. Because in NativeScript, like let's say you wanted to show, you know, go back to our master detail list, you're showing a list of something. Well, on the web, you'd have a UL, you'd use a ng4 with LIs. Well, on NativeScript, there is no UL, there is no LI because we're not operating in a browser context. So we have components for building some of these things um, and they're documented, you can find them on our documentation site, but they're not something you're gonna come into NativeScript already knowing, right? Like 
that's the one learning curve that you are going to have to to actually bridge at some point is learning what UI components we offer in NativeScript. Now we follow all the same Angular syntactical rules. So the way you do data binding with those components, the way you do event binding, uh, the way you do pipes, all of those things work exactly the same, but just you have to learn the, the library of things that we have out there for actually building up your apps. But what about our beloved CLI? Do you have a CLI too? Because we, we love our CLI, we're kind of spoiled. We have a CLI and actually, so the the thing is, so we have a CLI and I will say too, this is sort of spoiler alert because this was like, this episode is about what's new in NativeScript, but the biggest thing is we're we're announcing here that we can now support the Angular CLI with NativeScript as well. So you can use the same CLI to work with NativeScript apps as well. So that's been something that's been in the works for a very long time, because that's been one of the biggest demands from uh, Angular people. We are demanding. <laughs> and that's great that you guys heard it here first. Heard it here first. We have announced it outside of here. I mean. I'd, I'd like to give you credit, but uh, this is well. Your, some of them have heard it here first. DJ, oh yeah, <laughs> heard it here first. Yeah, you heard it here first. Gotta, Just play along, DJ. Put it. You, you need one of the news feeds, like exclusive, scrolling across the the bottom of the screen, right? Breaking news. Really, really sell it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I'm sure we'll we'll dive into that some more in more detail, like you mentioned, right? Yeah. Um, so just kind of a quick rundown, then. So we we've got this ability to use Angular. And the things that we're familiar with with that, and the ability to use JavaScript as well, right? In that sort of context, um, a little bit different uh, markup language, right? That we have to learn and, and work with. Um, and then are, are there also APIs that NativeScript provides in terms of hitting some lower level stuff in the you know um, native applications that we don't have in a browser? Yeah, exactly. So we have what we call the NativeScript modules. And they are TypeScript modules, so you'd use them just like any other TypeScript thing you'd bring in from Angular or, or otherwise. Now, in some cases, we try to mimic or exactly implement APIs that are available elsewhere. So to give you an example of that, we directly support the Fetch API. So you would use Fetch in your NativeScript app exactly like you would do in a web app. The only difference is on the web, it's the browser providing the implementation of actually making that HTTP call. And in NativeScript, we have that implemented under the hood. This is sort of transparent to you, but under the hood, we've implemented that with iOS code for iOS and Android code for Android, with the idea being that you write those that, that code that hits the Fetch API once, and it works across all three platforms at the same time. Now, that's sort of the cleanest implementation. Fetch is something that can easily, it, it exists on all three platforms, so it's, it's the nice, simple example that I can give. In some cases, there are things that only iOS or Android can do. So you think things like um, geolocation or Bluetooth, or sometimes the web has some like prototype APIs of this, but iOS and Android tend to have uh, really good robust APIs and deeper APIs than what's available on the web. But what we try to do is make those APIs available using the TypeScript syntax that you would probably expect. So you do things like import I, I'm making this up, but like a make connection function from the NativeScript Bluetooth package, for example. And under the hood, that would be implemented with Android and iOS code. But to you as a JavaScript TypeScript developer, it's going to feel just like making an API call that you would do on the web. And then are those uh, things like current, like how... And I think we think about, and we think about it a little bit with the browser, right? And and the what what supported browsers that we have for different 
things like that. You know, not, I think the mobile space and, and different um, target space moves, you know, on that. Uh, how often are those things implemented then in native script brought over so that we could leverage those things? Kind of yeah, it's, it's sort of when you go to mobile, it's it's a whole new world and a different way of thinking about things because your pain point doesn't become like old version of Internet Explorer. It becomes old versions of Android because it, like dealing your, your pain point becomes dealing with the multiverse of Android and your users are on Android 4.4 still that you still have to care about. Now, iOS and Android are both really good about backwards compatibility. They tend to not remove APIs because they have they, they in a way they've got the same problem the web has. They've got millions of apps out on their stores. And they know a lot of those apps are just never going to be updated. They're sort of abandoned, and they can't they can't break those apps. So they tend not to remove APIs. So once, say, like a, a NativeScript API is out there for iOS or Android, I don't think I've ran into a situation yet where any of those have just straight up broke because the API goes away. Now, there are cases where uh, API gets uh, introduced in a newer version. Uh, I'll give you a few examples of that, like Touch ID, for example, when that first became available on iPhones and it started becoming available on Android phones through fingerprint sensors. So we had plugins that came out pretty much right away for NativeScript to do Touch ID and then to do fingerprint scanning on Android. But of course, you have to do a little bit of feature checking in your own app if you want to use these plugins because only a subset of your users are going to have access to the hardware able to do that. So the most common example is is actually not that your APIs are going to break, but more so that only a certain subset of your users are going to have access uh, to a given feature. All right, all right. And like I said, you know, we, we do feature detection on that sort of thing. We can do that kind of paradigm. Something that we're familiar with from browser development, we can do that same sort of paradigm. Yep, it's a very similar model, actually. Cool, cool. And so um, in terms of that markup, um, are we now, if we're going to build with native script to target these different environments as well as web, are we in a world where we need to write different markup for each of those targets? Um, or is there a way to share a single markup base? So yeah, we've played with this idea a lot. This is something that's come up a lot. And the idea is sort of one way of phrasing it is that, you know, is there a way to write your markup one time using like one set of Angular components and have either us or, or someone actually spit out the, the web code and the native code uh, for multiple different platforms? And we've, we've at the moment stuck away from doing that just because there's a whole lot of complexity from trying to make all three platforms work with one code base. And we've sort of went down this path, but there gets to be in some weird permutations just because of the way layout is actually the biggest problem, just because layout works so much different on Android no, and iOS. I, my husband's actually, he started learning over the last four months because um, we're both web developers and he started learning iOS development and like CSS Voodoo is like his thing, right? And so I would go over and watch him start creating these Because I'm like, well, just, you know, do like flex or something or, you know, float it left. And he's like, those paradigms don't exist in this world. And I'm like, what do you mean they don't exist in this world? <laughs> like, so it's it really is. I, I don't know, honestly, how you would do that. That seems especially with I, I have no idea how Android is, but just with how different web and iOS is that that would be insane. So. <laughs> yep. Oh, and we have like different markup concepts in NativeScript to account for this that essentially boil down to that. The challenge is if you tried to make that markup that we're using for NativeScript also work for the web, it, 
I mean, is it feasible? Like, is it technically possible? Yes. But our stance, at least so far with our experimentation, is that you're actually better off just saying, okay, you can share code like your services, you can share um, even in some case your components. But when it comes to talking about how these things are actually going to be rendered, you're better off just actually, it yes, it does mean you have to code things twice, but you can say, here's what I want my UI, how, here's how I want it to work in a native context, and here's how I want it to work in a web context as well. And lots of times, just from a straight up UX perspective, you want things to be rendered a little bit differently on the web and native. Uh, I mean, if you're just spitting out the exact same thing to both platforms, you probably want to question why it is you're building the exact same thing twice. Uh, normally, there's some reason you want to build a native app. You want to do something a little bit differently. So uh, that's why we've taken the path that uh, we have. So what does that look like? It's like, is it kind of like a component and it just has multiple different market files as well as like the style? I'm assuming it has different style sheets as well that like it's linked to, yeah? So the path we've taken so far, um, and this this sort of transitions a little bit into to what's new with NativeScript, because for the longest time we've struggled with, we've had a lot of our community with NativeScript just because this has been in such high demand, sort of experimenting with different paths. And people have tried, basically, if you, if you think of an option for approaching this problem, someone somewhere has built it, you can probably find it through a Google search. There's all sorts of, of different naming conventions and people have tried different things. So what we've implemented in sort of our, our sort of official stance at attacking this problem is we have a naming convention. So you start your native script uh, web app with the Angular CLI. So you say ng new my app. There's a few flags you have to tell it to uh, in terms of how it's going to generate this project. Where the difference comes in is with each file, you have the ability to add a suffix uh, .tns .extension. So if you're thinking like at the markup level, let's say you have a we'll go master details list, like you're building a list of contacts. So you'd have your contacts.component.html, and that would be how you'd render your web app. So you'd have like a UL in there and an LI, I mean, you've got your contacts that you list out there. But for your native script app, you would create contacts.component.tns.html. And then in there, you would use a native script list view because you'd need to use a different set of markup. Now, you might be able to share that same component, the TypeScript code. Uh, there's a chance if there's nothing native script or web specific that you need to do in that component, you could share that code. Uh, or you could use the same naming convention to say context.component. This is great to do uh, in audio, but <laughs> context.component.ts and context.component.tns.ts. So really, every file in your entire project has the ability to be split. And what happens is that when you actually go to build your app, we use Webpack to essentially do the magic in terms of picking which files actually get to be used for the compilation. So if you are running in a native script app, what we do is say, tell Webpack, we'll find all these files that have .tns in them and just override the main file that actually gets placed in the app. Okay. And so that's that's really at a high level. Hopefully, uh, I don't know how well you're able to follow that, but essentially the the short answer to your question is it's through a naming convention and you use that to split what you think should be web, what you think should be native, and you have the ability to sort of customize that based off uh, what you need. Okay. And app. if it's not and too pit tricky to get into, is styling 
like since it is so different for like iOS versus web to style things like do you guys take over that as well or do you just like write web styles for iOS or how does that work so yeah so CSS in general we first of all in NativeScript we do let you style your apps using CSS but I should really be putting CSS in air quotes a little bit because it's really a subset of CSS and what I mean by that is that we support CSS in the sense that the CSS language and syntax is exactly how you expect. So we use standardized CSS parsers and, and such. But of course, we don't have a browser. So it's not like we're feeding Chrome a bunch of styles and telling it to do its magic. Instead, we have to parse your CSS files and actually apply those rules to native user interface components. Yeah, it's like almost like interpreting them, right? Like it's like, I oh, mean, it, well, if they want justify between, we have to like do specific things on native for like, yeah, that that's exactly what it is. You, you can't just take them and slap them on, right? Yeah, so let's <laughs> say in a CSS file, you say label color blue, for example. So on the web, right, you would just feed that to Chrome. Chrome would know to apply like style.color um, and do the magic it needs to do. So in NativeScript, we're parsing that CSS file and we know that that label is a UI label on iOS. We know it's an android.widget.text view on Android. And we also know what properties we need to set in order to make that thing blue. So what that means for you as a developer is that the there is still some savings for you because you probably know how the syntax works. Again, we're using standardized CSS parser. So you give it a uh, either an ID, a class name, a tag name, uh, a selector of some sorts, and then name value pairs. All of that's exactly the same. What's different is that there's a whitelist of property names that we support. So you can't just say, like, take my CSS file from the web, okay. copy and paste okay. it, because certain things like uh, float, we, there's no real concept of float on iOS or Android. Or some of these properties just straight up aren't going to work. No, so, that totally makes sense, especially with CSS. There's a really easy way to remember this. And Alyssa, I think you'll love this because this is actually how I handle it all when I'm trying to figure it out. If you're using native script and you have a problem either on Android or on uh, iOS or whatever problem, whatever platform your problem is on, you can just blame all of it on the native script people. And just say, <laughs> TJ, like whatever, if it goes wrong on AOS or on iOS or like anything, just blame it on TJ. Just and he'll come TJ, back you know? and be like, um, that's actually how because the, they, the web works. You Because yeah. now we can hold them responsible for all of it. Jen's not here, so you blame it on Jen. It's Jen's <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. It's a good thing she's not here. <laughs> brought some character and we enjoy it. Now I might have to reconsider that whole, you know, like, <laughs> little thing. I don't know. <laughs> Off the rails. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I'm sorry. I will say though, it's it's interesting having done this. You get a little bit of an outside perspective on what the web does well and what the web doesn't do well, because there's times where like I, I and CSS is one of the things I think the web actually does very well because you see what it's like on iOS or Android, and you go like, wait, if I go in a native Andro uh, iOS app and I want to make all labels blue, it's like good luck. Like, <laughs> You have to subclass UI. You have to subclass UI label and then use that consistently throughout your app. And you're like, what the hell am I doing? Why, like, why on the web? I know this is so easy, but then on native, there's also some things where, like, on native, I can drop in a list view that has built-in infinite scrolling that I can oh, throw a hundred thousand yeah. things in without yeah. like some insane JavaScript framework doing anything, and it works like a charm. And on the web. 
you want to build an infinite scrolling list, it's like roll up your sleeves. It's going to be a heck of a day. You're you're in for it today. So it's it's weird being able to compare and contrast the the platforms. You get a sort of interesting perspective when you work on native script. That's it's really awesome. And I do yeah. I do actually have a serious question. And don't worry, Justin, <laughs> it's not my question. It's Mon it's Martin's question. So we're Monka. Monka. <laughs> well, I was because I was saying Chaos Monster and Martin at the same time, and it just messes me up. So anyway, um, uh, Martin wants to know if you can use SCSS as a preprocessor and share it that way. You can, and actually, that's one of the things some of uh, the people in our community do. When you create a project, there is a flag that you can choose to sort of opt in or out of SAS based off uh, personal preference. And I think the realistic things that you can share are color variables. Um, you can share fonts, so we support custom fonts in NativeScript. So if you want your font, your brand to look the same between uh, your web app and your native app, uh, people do that sort of thing a lot. And it gives you some flexibility to say, like, if you do have some core set of things that you want to share, uh, SAS makes it a lot easier to do that. So you don't necessarily have to duplicate all of that. And for the whitelist of variables, I'm assuming there's actually a list somewhere that you can go and, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's like docs.nativescript.org. And if you just Google, I, I think it's styling. There's a spelt out list of all the things you, you can do. Okay, cool. And that I have to say, and I don't know who actually is in charge of this, um, but the docs are really nice. I mean, that the the site, you can find things and go and look and you don't know what you're doing and you got to figure it out. It's It's pretty nice to have that documentation. Thank you. Don't let it go to your head, though. Okay, so you're, are you saying that the like the preprocessor stuff, like we use SAS or less or whatever, does that step still take place prior to the native script interpreting the CSS and, and converting it over? So yeah, so the the full sort of build process when it comes to native script. So if you think of an Angular app on the web, if you say ng serve, I want to run the app. There's you know, the bunch of things kick in, like your TypeScript compiler, Webpack gets involved. And at the end of the day, you get like a, I think it's a dist folder, right? That you, or a web server that actually serves this. So with NativeScript, some of those steps are the same. Like we still have to run through the Angular compilation process, TypeScript gets compiled, uh, Webpack is part of that. But of course, uh, the additional step we have is we have to actually build an iOS or Android binary to actually give you an, an installable that you can send out to a device. My so brain the first... kind of fuzzes when you said binary. Can we use, is there a sub out word for that? <laughs> Yes, it's how can I make this more complex? So on, on iOS, it's a it's a .ipa file on iOS and a .apk file on Android, but it's essentially like an exe, right? It's just everybody okay. feels like they need their own version of an exe to make them seem more fancy, but at the end of the day, it's just something that you can install somewhere, more okay. or less. Awesome. Thanks. I'm with you, Alyssa, because somewhere in the recent future. Everybody started calling exec executable files binaries, and Dude. I didn't get the memo. It was, and I was recent, like, what? Though. And everyone's saying it's like on or off, or yes or no, or zero or one. It's like a, a but now it's an executable file, and I nobody told me. So Did see you what you do. And we no, no, no. See what you do is you 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 really have to sell it though. You say it with a straight face. People really, it's, if you want to know, if you want to seem like you know what you're talking about, right? You just straight yeah. at the camera, right? You go with it. And then pass it along to the next person going, what do you mean you don't know what that means? And yeah. then they'll go through what we went through. No, the more I'm condescending your look is, the I'm more it sells. <laughs> OK, I'm so sorry. You, you, were, you were on a roll. Tell us back to the binaries. But now we all have a good definition of that. Keep going. <laughs> so we. <laughs> 
So with NativeScript, we're using the same tools. Um, I mean, under the hood, NativeScript is using Xcode to build your iOS app. It's using Gradle, the Android builds tools to actually build your Android app, because it, it is, at the end of the day, it's just a native iOS, native Android app. But we do have some hooks in place so that once that app is deployed, because there is a bit of time that it takes to actually build these things and deploy these, um, just like it would be with the native processes. But then the advantage we have with NativeScript over completely native development is that once your app is actually sitting out there on the device, we don't necessarily have to recompile your app with every change you're making during development. So we essentially have a, a little server that sends and sends your changes out to the device so that we don't have to go through the same compilation process every single time. So with NativeScript, the first time you build your app for native platforms, it, it's going to take, I don't know, maybe a minute on iOS, maybe two or three minutes on Android just to go through all of that nonsense. But then once you get that set up, your development process is a lot more like the web where you make a change, you see the change. Hold on, I have a question now because I heard you mention Xcode. And I haven't done mobile app development in a while, so bear with me. But I remember going through some pain because, uh, and I, I mean, I have a Mac MacBook Pro and I love my MacBook Pro very much. But what if you don't have a MacBook Pro? What if you don't have a Mac at all and you want, because it used to be a big problem if you were trying to do iOS development without a Mac. How can you update us on that? So NativeScript out of the box, if you're just using this CLI, you must be on a Mac to build iOS apps. And it's for the exact reason you, you say Xcode is Mac only. You have to use that uh, if you want to build iOS apps. And we do offer something called NativeScript Sidekick, which is a tool. It's basically a, it's an Electron app that sits on your desktop, which we essentially have a service in the cloud that'll build iOS apps for you. And it's really intended for Win uh, Windows and Linux users that want to build for iOS. And so essentially, the way it works is you're developing your app, but you want to see it on iOS. You upload it to our cloud service and outspits a .ipa file to bring it. Your, your, binary comes, your binary comes down from the cloud, and you can install it on your device. Now, it is a little bit tricky. Okay, hold especially on, hold on. You, yeah. you, you went flying by that so fast, because that was kind of huge. This sidekick, which I was going to ask you about, because I didn't want you to, I wanted to wait to see if you brought that up. But the yeah. sidekick, OK, so I want to just say that again, in case anybody was, their attention was wandering. You don't have to buy a Mac anymore. To, like you can totally go from start to finish and release this all the way. Can you just view it on Sidekick or can you like- Yeah, because what do you do with the executable file at that point? Like, you still have to go through the Apple store. <laughs> and then I know this is not a native script problem. Like this is, they're very proprietary, right? And so yes. you have to follow their rules and that's not your problem. But now, you know, you we blame you for all our problems now. So we come to you for answers. So Sidekick can, like how far can you go with Sidekick? So you can go all the way. That the, so to take a step back, Sidekick is a desktop development tool. It's Electron-based. It's really just a GUI on top of the NativeScript CLI. So you can actually do all this through the NativeScript CLI, but it gets a little bit verbose. And the reason is because, as you mentioned, Apple requires you to jump through a lot of hoops. And so the pain point comes ahead. And like, I wish I could tell you and just look at everybody with a straight face and say, like, you can develop your iOS apps. You can throw them to the store. You know, angels are going to come down. The five star <laughs> ratings are going to come in. It's going to be glorious. The, the I like problem, you, TJ. <laughs> the problem you're going to hit is that iOS apps have these code signing procedures that are uh, they're crazy, right? They're they're very verbose. There, there's a lot of steps you have to go through. 
So for example, in order to build iOS apps, you have to be a member of the iOS developer program, which is a $99 per year club, which is just one of those things you have to do if you want to build iOS apps. Now you only have to pay that price if you want to send apps to the stores. Uh, so if you want to develop your apps locally, they do have free accounts now that you can use. So if you're just sort of testing things out locally, you don't have to pay that price. But if you are going to the stores, that's just the Apple tax. Yeah, there's, there's no way around it. It doesn't matter what technology you're using, NativeScript or whatever else that builds iOS apps. It's just one of those things. The other complication, Somebody. oh, sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. The other complication is that in addition to doing that, you have to create what's known as certificates and provisioning profiles to actually sign your iOS apps. And the procedures for those are, uh, let's just say, fairly detailed. Uh, there's a lot that goes into it. And we Luckily. try to document this the best we can. But um, I, I mean, it's going to be, again, no matter what technology you use, it's going to be the thing that that's going to hit you hard uh, when you try to build for iOS for the first time. So this might be a little bit tricky, but we just got a comment. And I have a couple of, I know Daniel and Martin, uh, we have questions in the chat and, and, I, and we're going by them because there's so much to talk about. But we just got a comment from Ampular Ampular, uh, which is a pretty cool name. And it and and he said, TJ Van Tol has two spectacular videos explaining certificates and provisioning for the Apple Store. Wow, spectacular, got, TJ. I've, some of my fans are, you know, following me around the web here. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> if you That's Google awesome. that, um, it's it's funny because I those videos were made through the pain of going through these processes a long time. So yeah, if you if you look on YouTube, just NativeScript Sidekick, like Apple provisioning and such, I've got some videos that walk you through them. And I recommend anybody like you you sort of have to almost work with someone that's been through these steps before uh, to to get familiar with them and do them because it is fairly overwhelming. I mean, mobile development can be overwhelming enough as is because it's a uncharted land for a lot of people. Yeah, so uh, if you Google it, make sure you include TJ Van Toll. Look right down there for the spelling. And uh, Justin Martin wants to know if you could post a link to that in the chat. Yeah. Just for the uh, people who don't have time to Google it. Yes. Because they're so spoiled. Y'all are spoiled. No, Justin, can but, you just post it for us, please? We don't um, want to Google it. We want Martin. the link. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love you, Martin. I'm only picking on you because I love you. All right. Okay, so, so before we, before we get into like, uh, and let's get we'll get into yeah. the new stuff, right? What, what's there? <laughs> quick, two quick couple things. Um, what do we need? As developers to get started locally in, in taking on native script you know what do we need to install and then maybe we can run down after that uh how we make the decision of native script versus maybe something like ionic or um you know a, a native browser running in there that sort of thing yeah so in terms of what you need to get started we you'll want to start with um really actually so this ties into a little bit of what's new but we have this environment now called native script playground which is available at play.nativescript.org. And I like to recommend that for people to get started with because there's no local setup there. Uh, the way Playground works is you develop your code in the browser and you actually deploy to an app that you install on from either the iOS App Store or Google Play. So essentially you're coding in the browser and then instead of having to build your apps locally, uh, you basically just use a QR code to send it to the NativeScript Playground app that's running on your device. 
And actually, this is it's something we've been working on for a while because one of the biggest problems we've had over the years with NativeScript is that because we're building uh, native iOS and Android apps, the setup is kind of the same that you'd have to go through for native app development. So if you are developing locally, it means you have to have things like Xcode installed. It means you have to have things like Android SDKs configured and available. And we've tried to automate some of these things as much as possible, uh, but there's just permutations of different SDKs. And I mean, we support Windows, Mac, and Linux development, um, different Node versions and NPM versions people come in with that sometimes people hit weird problems when they go to set up the, the iOS and Android dependencies. So we like to recommend that people start in Playground just when you're tinkering with NativeScript and you want to sort of try things out. It's a fully featured Angular development environment, so you can try things out. There's some drag and drop capabilities. And then once you've sort of kicked the tires with NativeScript, then we recommend you install the NativeScript CLI, you go through the steps necessary to set up for iOS and Android development, and from there you should be all set to go ahead and build your apps out. I really think it's easier when you have that little bit of, like when I'm doing, especially if I'm doing something new and the first time I ventured into app development, if you can actually see it on the phone and kind of you know click on it and push buttons with it and you, you feel success because the first time like even to get it to that point which was a couple of years ago it was it was it was like two solid days of pain for me. Oh, it, so it, it now is. we can kind of skip away from that and once we know everything's working we can maybe come back to that process but we can confirm that we have a legit app with the playground. Yeah, exactly. And I mean one of our challenges with NativeScript is because we can't and we're not a web based tool at the end of the day, Playground can't just render your app sort of in line to see how it works. So the best we've been able to come up with is sort of the companion app approach where you're actually deploying to a, a device. You can still see it, uh, but the browser is actually what's sending this over. It's I know you have a lot more to cover, but we, sorry, go ahead, Justin. That's all right, go ahead. I was just saying, uh, we have a lot of good questions that have been like just random questions that have been coming in, and I'm and I just pasted them into the Hangouts. So if you get a chance, uh, whenever you're ready, you can just go and there's a bunch of uh, miscellaneous questions. And you guys, though, <laughs> there's Martin. <laughs> they're 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 asking more questions, <laughs> so we're gonna get to it in a minute. So if any of you have asked questions in chat, we're gonna circle back around to those. Be patient with us. Go ahead, Justin. Okay, well, let me let me say. Uh, okay, so if, if I have my Angular CLI application, right, my a workspace with an application going, and I want to, you know, get NativeScript going inside of that. So I already have an application with with a couple of views or something. But what would be the process for that? So if you want to switch over and basically, just so I'm understanding this correctly, basically you're saying you want to add on the ability to also view that app in a NativeScript, a native context, right? Yeah, correct. Like I've already started building for web and I'm like, well, you know what, we want to target native as well. So how do we convert our workspace and get ready and going with that? So there's two, essentially there's two separate paths with native script. If you want to share code between web and native, one is you just build from the start using a code sharing approach. And basically it's ng new and there's a couple other things you, you can uh, include in that command. In general, if you go to docs.nativescript.org, and then you just do a search for code sharing. There's now a top level link that has a few pages that's going to be able to go in you know, way more detail than I'm going to be able to give in these next few minutes. But the, the short story is there's two different paths. One of them is that I'm creating a brand new app. I want everything scaffolded from the start. Your situation where you have an existing app, 
we have some additional commands where essentially you have to do a little bit of migration so that your app is able to support NativeScript. And a lot of that is just generating the appropriate files that NativeScript needs. So most of your NativeScript app is going to be the same as what an Angular web app expects. But there are some differences. Like there's a few things that we need to call for NativeScript. There's a few things that we sort of need to uh, inject in terms of providers. Um, your app module looks a little bit different with NativeScript just because we have to tell Angular about a few different things. And then your next step would be going, actually looking at your components and saying, well, now that I, you know, my index.html file is now irrelevant. So I now need to set up my components, branch my code, create .tns, .tns.html files, .tns.css files, and actually start filling those out. And you'd probably start with, when I've done this in the past, I just put like hello world in there just to get started, just to make sure I can actually see a pass through. To Bonnie's point, like there's something amazing about just seeing it ran, it didn't crash or anything. And then I slowly start building up the, the native script app and start filling in the UI, um, migrating pages as they make sense. Cool. Yeah, we had uh, Nathan Walker on here uh, the other episode talking about XPlat and how that integrates with native script and stuff like that. So I guess that'd be another option as well too, right? Yep. Cool. Very cool. All right, and then so how would we make our decision about using NativeScript versus some other type of mobile or, or other uh, platform strategy? Yeah, there's there's sort of a there's there's a very complicated flowchart at some point you can imagine just because there's there's so many frameworks out there, and then even within frameworks, it's like do I do I share code? Do I create separate projects? Um, it's not the easiest solution. I, I usually tell people as a first step, the first thing you need to decide is if you need a native app at all, um, because there's a good chunk of people that you have a web app and that's just fine. You don't actually need a native app out in the stores, which is totally reasonable and acceptable. I would say the reasons you might need a native app would be first and foremost, you need to do something that the web can't do. Um, and this can main, range from like major things to minor things. Uh, for example, one example I like to give is uh, if you've used a banking app to, for example, deposit checks, that's a feature of the camera that the web can't do, for example, like image recognition through the camera. And even though that's a small thing, I mean, for banking apps, that's like night and day. Just the that feature is a reason alone that you need to have an app out there in the stores. Uh, so if you have a feature like that, that you need for your users, you want to bring for your users, uh, NativeScript's a good option to do that. And it can even be for something simple, like you just want to expose a minor feature for your users, or maybe you want to rebuild your whole app because you have users that are requesting your app appear in Google Play or the iOS app stores. But in general, that's sort of the first decision I put out there. If you need a mobile app or if you need a native app at all, then you start to consider some of these technologies, Ionic, uh, React Native, NativeScript, some of these other things that are out there. So then sort of the, the next level is, well, first of all, does that sort of make sense as a first step before we jump too deep down the rabbit hole here? Yeah, yeah. So I was going to just kind of follow up on that. So if we're looking at something like uh, Cordova, right? Uh, something yeah. along those lines where we take our web app and just basically run it in a web context that runs on a mobile device. Um, and uh, versus now here where we're saying like, would that be the kind of the bridge saying like, okay, that that's probably not enough. We need to go to the next step where we can really tie into these native things like taking the capture for the, the video for, or for the 
that image of the check that you mentioned. Yeah, and you could build some of those things with Cordova as well. Native script, it, we're sort of at the next level because if you've used Cordova, you've already decided you need a native app because there's no reason to use Cordova if you're just building exclusively for the web. Like Cordova is where I've already jumped down the path of, yes, I need a native app. Now I need to decide how I'm actually going to build that native app. And so Cordova would be in the same bucket with PhoneGap and Ionic that build on top of it. So with those technologies, you're saying, I want to keep all, pretty much all of my code exactly the same from the web because those technologies, in addition to what NativeScript offers you, also let you share HTML, markup, uh, CSS works exactly the same because you're still want, running in a web browser. So there's some advantages to that. What NativeScript we can offer additionally on top of that is we're using actual native user interface components and we have deeper integration with the native stack. So your, your decision, if we're on the flowchart again here, if you're going Cordova-based or NativeScript-based, you have to decide whether you actually need that. Uh, do you need your app? Do you need the extra performance benefit and the, the UX benefits of using native? Because there is a learning curve there. It's, you know, there's an additional step you need to take with NativeScript. Now we feel, obviously we wouldn't make NativeScript if we didn't feel it was worth doing that. We think the, the extra time that you put in leads to a greater quality app and that it's worth doing that. But that's something people have to decide for yourselves. And also there's some apps, you know, it depends on who your end user is. Lots of times we find that the Cordova approach is perfectly fine if you just need an app, like maybe it's an internal business app that just needs to, to function and you, you're not concerned with the, the polishers or some of those and you just need the thing to actually function so people can pass through, then perhaps in those situations, that's just perfectly fine because with NativeScript, there is a little bit more to getting the app running. So you just sort of have to decide yourself whether that, that trade-off is sort of worth it. Okay, that makes total sense. Now I can see that clearly. So I've decided that, that I need this functionality, this native functionality of capturing these images, right? And I also decided that I want that native UI experience as well. These similar controls and feel of the flow, the interaction with the actual UI elements. So now at that point, I've decided, cool. Now I wanna go down to this next step, like you're mentioning. Now I'm into the native script realm. And so now is there another decision I need to make before for other things like maybe Ionic or whatnot, or at this point? So I think like once you go native UI, you've moved the native script path and away from the Cordova Ionic path because Ionic's built on top of Cordova. I would say your final decision tree, you'd put native script in the sort of the same bucket as React Native. That's probably the most similar tool down there. And typically we find that the biggest decision-making thing between NativeScript and React Native tends to be framework. So with NativeScript, you're getting full Angular compatibility out of the box, whereas React Native, you're choosing the React path. That tends to be the single biggest reason people choose one versus the other. Um, there's other things as well. Um, I, we can go pretty deep down that path too if, if you wanted to. Um, you I think we need out. a grudge match. Like we got to get Mike Hardington <laughs> up here next week and be like, Mike, do you know what TJ said about you? And just get it like we did the same thing with uh, NGRX and NGXS, right? Just it's for so, ratings. Come on. So make sure <laughs> for the content <laughs> when you when you contact Mike, make up love Bonnie. Make up some quotes that I said. Make make me sound like a real jerk to Mike. Okay. Like tell him like tell him about all the crap I talked about. Bring, bring him out. Yes. Ionic. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Photoshop some Luckily images. Luckily, we have a me. really like, good sport of a, of a guest speaker. Otherwise, oh. Justin would have kicked me off a long time. This is why Mike Brocky mutes me. See. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm like, sorry, Bonnie, we can't hear you. <laughs> 
All right, so this makes sense. I, I think that's clear. It helped me uh, kind of understand the decisions I would make as a developer in terms of why I'm on board with native script to, for a particular solution, right? Um, so maybe now we can talk about what's what's new in it. Yeah, so the native script playground, one of the things I mentioned is a great place to try native script. So if you're following along and interested in any of this, I'd head to play.nativescript.org and check it out. We have the NativeScript Marketplace, which is at market.nativescript.org, which is where we now list all of our plugins written by us and by our community. You can also find code samples. So I, the code samples tab on the Marketplace is new, and all of the examples there run in NativeScript Playground. So if you're just sort of curious about NativeScript, if you head to market.nativescript.org, you click the code samples tab, and then you just find one that looks cool. and once you run it in Playground, you'll be prompted to scan a QR code using your device. So it's just a fun way of just, if you're curious, like let me sort of sample what NativeScript things look like. It's just sort of a, a fun thing to look through. So that would be second on my list. And third is some of the, the code sharing things I talked about before, because before we didn't really have uh, an official way of supporting those sort of workflows. So if you were code sharing, we would tell people things like, well, just you know, build two projects and share an NPM module between them or something like that, which I mean works and it still can be beneficial to do. But if you go to docs.nativescript.org, you search code sharing, there's a top level link for you there. There's a bunch of documents that talk about the, the two main paths we offer, whether you wanna start a completely brand new app where you're building for all these platforms, or if you have an existing web app and you wanna tinker around with well, what if I can expose uh, you know, an iOS app for some or all of this application? What would that process look like? So check that out. Again, it goes into, uh, there's quite a bit of detail there. So more than we'll probably have time to you know, dig into today. So there was a question about Playground, um, wondering if uh, there are plans for um, plugins like Firebase to be accepted. Didn't know if you've heard. For, for NativeScript? Uh, sorry, I missed the first part of that. Uh, yeah, for the Playground, actually. Oh, for Playground. Yeah, so the background here is Playground, because of its nature, we only support certain NativeScript plugins and certain native functionality. And the reason for that is because essentially what we're doing is you're sending arbitrary code from the browser over into your app running here. So we can't support every plugin or else we'd have to uh, package up like all 900 plugins in a, in a given data script app, which doesn't, and it, it just doesn't work super well. <laughs> so what we do is we select basically certain plugins based off usage, popular demand, because we can package up 20, 30 plugins and make them available for use in Playground. Firebase is not on that list right now. If you go to GitHub, the native script slash Playground dash feedback repo, you can create an issue requesting those plugins. So if you really feel like, uh, Firebase should be supported there, create an issue, uh, get your 30 closest friends or bots to vote <laughs> that thing up and add a bunch of supporting comments. And then what we'll do is we'll package that plugin up for you and make okay. it available. Very cool. Thank you, TJ. <laughs> yeah, we had another question too about the- Hey, uh, TJ. About uh, plans to support Mac OS apps beyond just like iOS and, and Android apps. At the moment, we have no plans to support um, Mac OS or Windows app with NativeScript. I think the most realistic path we take there is since we now support sort of forking to build web code, I could see a future where you could take that web code and build an Electron app. 
based off that web code, I think that's possible, but it's not on like a roadmap or we have no immediate plans to make something like that available. Cool. What um is how does Ivy play into this? Like is it is that gonna help any in this native script story? I don't know enough about Ivy to really know. I think my more generic answer that doesn't really answer your question is that the performance benefits that Angular makes do directly impact us in NativeScript and oftentimes quite a bit. So early on when we first supported Angular, we had performance problems like with early versions of Angular 2. But over the years, as things, especially as some of the, the Webpack optimizations have been made and some of the, like the AOT builds, I mean, all of those, at the, since at the end of the day, it's just targeting, compacting your, your JavaScript code that you output. Uh, they directly benefit NativeScript, and they often benefit NativeScript more than they do your web apps. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of thinking, like going through the process, going, okay, if I have my component, my Angular component, and I can share that between this NativeScript and HTML, and it's really behind the scenes during the build process, swapping out that markup that's being used, whether it's the NativeScript markup or or my HTML, right? Um, is that like a render engine swap out, right? And is there lower level code that's doing that? And then if so, could it be possible to then explore other things or learn from that and do say like a markdown support where you could write your layout in markdown and then have that, you know, the code, the component power that or something like that. It's totally possible. It's just the, it, it'd be a lot of work to write the thing that actually parses that and spits it into something usable in both contexts. Um, but it's like from a theoretical perspective, you could totally do that sort of thing. I, I mean, Webpack's really what's providing the, the magic here in terms of swapping things uh, in and out on the fly. I mean, we also, I, we didn't mention this earlier, but the there's also a naming convention in NativeScript that you can name files .ios. Uh, let's say .ios.ts.android.ts because sometimes just because iOS and Android sometimes work differently, you might have to have a completely separate iOS or Android implementation of something. So we support that in NativeScript as well. And that's another just sort of build time swap out that's happening. At, in the actual built app, there only one of those files is going to be there. Cool. All right, do we have any other final questions? We're getting to the top of the hour. So anything else we want to try and squeeze in here about? Did we catch all the questions in the chat? We had a couple of them. Um, yeah, that were miscellaneous. Are... I don't know if we have time because I know we're. Do, do you guys have a hard stop? I know we're running out of time. Some of them are older too. Like I think we talked about. Because there was so much going on, and they just kept I asking just... all these questions. But that's okay because if you're getting tons <laughs> of questions, TJ, that means you're like an awesome speaker, and everybody's like hanging on your every word. And I have. I know we have a lot of questions, but I have to read this question because uh, Ampular Ampular is such a nice person. Uh, he said he. I'm assuming it's a he. It might be a she said the tutorials embedded in playground are fantastic you do step in the playground and in seconds you have the results in your phone or android awesome so i think you should pass along to whoever created those um that those are awesome well thank you yeah and it's so if you're in playground that's again where i'd recommend gets uh, there's a get started menu on the top so get started interactive tutorials so if you're interested in learning native script i i highly endorse that comment it's a great place to get started I love it, like immediate gratification when you just start something and you just and you just immediately like get to start using it. And it's great. Yep. There's, there's uh, so. Go ahead. Uh, we talked about the plans to support macOS apps. 
Um, we talked about, um, did you answer, because Daniel wanted to know how uh, you create background services with NativeScript. Did you answer that one? It's one of those things that's the same. Um, it, there's a plugin for doing background processing in NativeScript. So it's going to work the same way. If you go to market.nativescript.org and you just search for the, the word background, uh, essentially you'll find a plugin that'll walk you through how to do that. I mean, in general, the model with NativeScript is that if some sort of native functionality exists, chances are someone has a plugin that they've built for the marketplace. Now, the, the act of building the plugin can be sort of a native task. So if you actually looked, dove into the implementation, you're going to find essentially iOS or Android code to implement this. Uh, but from you as an end user, if you're doing a common thing, you'll probably be uh, spared the, the need to go into native code. But if you do, I, I guess one thing worth mentioning too is that with NativeScript, we always give you access to the full metal. The native iOS and Android APIs are there for you, um, which is nice because in a real world app, like you're going to have, if your users know you're building for iOS or Android, they're going to say, well, hey, you know, I know, I know iOS can do this. We should do this in your app. And there's a good chance you'll, if it's a common thing, there's a good chance you'll find it. But if you just need to tweak it, the, the native code is there. You have, you have the power. <clears throat> So anytime we want, if there's something really specific that we want to do, we can just bypass native script and go straight to the actual and use and use the actual code. But can we still blame our problems on you? I mean, you can always blame no Jen. Actually, remember, you can always blame yeah. your. Oh problem. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. You can always blame your problems on Jen. I mean, this is I use this for my day to day work all the time. Uh, but the APIs are there, so and, and they're fun. I will tell you that iOS has the most verbose APIs you've ever seen. You think Java's APIs are bad until you step into iOS and you're you're typing forty character words and you don't know what's going on. So have fun with that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you know we're Angular Air. We we talk about Angular and stuff like that. But for what about for our other friends? Is NativeScript available just for Angular or or is it for other ones as well? So we have Vue.js support that's sort of coming out at the moment. So NativeScript, because I, I think I mentioned earlier, I mean, at its lowest level, we're just letting you use JavaScript to drive an app. And so there's nothing stopping really any framework. As long as a framework's not tied to the DOM or to HTML, you can use it with NativeScript. And so We've had people from our community request, I mean, React support, um, other frameworks have come up as well. Uh, the reason we picked Angular back in the day is just because it was a really good fit. It was the most requested uh, by our audience. So we've, we've got support that's been there for quite some time. Uh, the Vue support actually came up uh, by a community member that started that initiative. Uh, Igor R, he's got a very, uh, I'm not going to butcher his name live on air. I will do him that kindness, but, uh, it, but amazing story, but he basically started this up from scratch. He's attracted a community uh, in the NativeScript Slack channel. Our view channel is now one of our most uh, active. And sort of that's one of the fun things of being an open source project is sometimes people do some things that you wouldn't have necessarily thought of, um, take it and run with it. So that's available. If you're curious, it's nativescript-view.org. And uh, that's basically all community run. Uh, we have no plans to... to offer any other frameworks. I think one of the biggest things we struggle with is that we think it's cool that you can build NativeScript with no frameworks, with Angular, or now with Vue through this community uh, support thing. However, it, it's also somewhat overwhelming because if you do a Google search for how to implement something in NativeScript, one of our challenges is sometimes you'll find 
oh, here's how to do it with Angular, but you're trying to do it in Vue. And then you, know, you sort of have to go back to the drawing board or some of our templates and such, we have to make available three times because we uh, support Kendo, three different paths. I UI comes across the same thing where like, yeah. like hey, yeah. I wanted to customize this chart in this way. And you're like, but not with that part of Kendo. <laughs> like, so yeah, it's, yeah. It's a mixed blessing. We are very yeah. good at Google search tools. Yes. Now like, 80, 90% of NativeScript is the same regardless. I mean, the CLI works the same way. All these, like the tools, the marketplace, the plugins, they don't care what framework you're using. Where you find it is different is at the actual markup level because you know, Angular, I actually spent a couple of days just converting Angular and Vue examples back and forth, which is also an interesting uh, exercise. But it was basically a lot of, okay, well, in Angular, I've got curly braces or uh, square brackets and Vue uses like V dash on, but the end of the day, it's like the same, the same sort of functionality is available for all of these things. It's just different syntax, dif different personal preferences. That'd be so. a really interesting talk for you to like just go through all the differences that you've like the really weird or funny differences between like the different frameworks or between like native and web. That would be <laughs> yes. TJ's take on it all. <laughs> Well, what's really cool about that, though, is that, you know, as business owners, product owners, you, you think about, you know, technology owners, you think about your investment and going, okay, do I buy into the native script? I'm doing, we're doing Angular now. We want to do native script. We want to do native you know, mobile, but we're, our teams are growing or we have multiple teams in our business that some work on different frameworks and, and that sort of thing. You can have the confidence to go, okay, if I adopt this, you know, we can get it working in, within that ecosystem, you know, completely. We're not kind of shutting ourselves off to this other potential. Exactly. Yep. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Well, we're at the top of the hour. Why don't I, why don't we do some picks if anybody has any picks and then we'll call it an episode. Is your teacher a pick? Like, can we talk about your t-shirt? My teacher? I mean, my t-shirt? I don't know. <laughs> sure. My t-shirt? Everybody else is doing it. <laughs> oh, t-shirt. I thought you said teacher. T-shirt. <laughs> my daughter just started high school this uh, oh, at the end of last great. week. And so I, I've just got like school on the brain, I guess. Your daughter's, I thought your daughter was like in elementary school. When did your daughter, when did this happen? Uh, last week. That, that's what I just said. <laughs> you have multiple daughters. <laughs> yeah, high school. So, um, yeah. Wow. She's growing up so fast. All right, that's my pick. My <laughs> high school. All right, who else has pick? I have a pick. Um, my pick, because we've picked on her so much today, and the only reason why we do that is because we love her. My pick today is Jen Looper. She's she's really funny. She's a hoot. She's super smart. If you're native script, uh, web, mobile, anything, uh, go follow her on Twitter because she's super fun. And uh, her Twitter is at Jen Looper, just like it sounds. And, and we love you, Jen. She's super cool human being too, just like outside of technology. Love hanging with her. Yeah. <laughs> Great pick. Great I don't pick. have a pick. I'm pickless. <laughs> All right. That's fine. TJ, do you have any picks that you want to shout out? Uh, DataScript Playground, I've mentioned a few times. You should check it out. On a non-technology thing related, you should check out Pokemon Go. I'm still a big player. If you haven't, if you haven't played in a long time, there's a lot of new features. So... We'd love to have you back in the Pokemon Go community. 
Didn't you, well, you made like a demo app, right? I, I want to say, was it a PWA app or what was it? Oh yeah. I, so I use Pokemon for a lot of my examples because it's actually, you know, I build a lot of master detail apps as we've talked about a lot of times and Pokemon happens to be perfect master detail data, right? Like it's just a large data set of a lot of things. There's some images in there. It's really great. So I've, I've used and abused that, that data set quite a bit. I actually, so I've given some talks on augmented reality too through through native scripts because that's something that we've sort of been experimenting with and playing with, and it's like it ties right back into Pokemon Go. It all comes around. And you said Jen was the interesting one. You sell yourself short. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, I gotta I gotta play this facade up, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, you're the professional one, and she's like more silly. But you're a little silly too, TJ. Uh, I'm not going to admit. Hey, speaking though. of silly, uh, I don't know if you know. You're probably not even on the same continent, but you uh, you know Sebastian, right? Oh yeah. You have to give him hugs for us. From from all of us at Angular Air, you just gotta hug him. I will. He's a very huggy guy. Actually, I should I should pick Sebastian too. We're we're it's a feel good time. We're picking other people because Sebastian's the one that spearheaded a lot of this this uh, code sharing stuff. So I'm here, sort of taking credit for some of it because I'm very good at doing that, but. Sebastian is actually uh, was the one driving the charge to make this happen, and actually working with the Angular team to implement some of this stuff. So, I'll give He's a an amazing guy. golf clap to Sebastian. Don't let it go to your head, Sebastian. I like golf but claps. He's, he's <laughs> and can we get can we do his uh, Twitter handle too? Uh, Seba Sebawita. Sebawita. I -E cannot pronounce his last name at all. Yeah, can it's you? like I think it's Witalik. It's oh, that was good. That was good. Okay, Dang so S E B A W I T A. So he he might not even catch this show, but all of a sudden he'll have more Twitter followers and go, "What happened?" We'll, dri we'll just you? drive all the traffic to Sebastian. Well, he, come on now. Okay, so TJ, what is your handle? My handle is TJ Van Toll. Not very creative, but easy to find. So cool, and that's two L's. Two L's, yes. All right. At some point, oh, I, and that's I made... easy because you can see the spelling under the video. That's true too. Yeah, I switched over. Like, I think everybody has that moment of like the internet accounts they created when they were 12 and 13 and have like really weird names. And then at some point I decided like, I went from one extreme from these names I'm not gonna mention here live on the air to like being <laughs> completely blunt on the other end. So like my my website, my GitHub profile, my Twitter account, it's, it's all very, very straightforward. All right, whoa, 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 let's pump the brakes a little bit. The, your internet at 12 or 13 was a little different than my internet at 12 or 13, but we won't was, go there. Was, <laughs> there. was there internet at your 12? We got Chaos Monster over in the chat going weird. Name, what, what? Yeah. Hey, I, was building, I was building GeoCity sites for the web at 12 and 13, so. Perfect, perfect. I'm older than I look. Hey, I learned basic on the DOS prompt. I walked uphill both ways in the snow, you guys. <laughs> both ways in the snow. All right. Well, with that, let's uh, put a bow on it, wrap it up, and call it good. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Thanks, TJ, for taking the time and, and yeah. sharing all this information with us. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Definitely. All right. See ya. Later. <laughs>